This is Kenny Green, the lead pastor of City Light Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith as we dive into the life-changing, life-giving Word of God. I hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to City Light Church. Could you just take a few minutes with me and welcome all of our churches if we could welcome our awesome Mon Eagle campus come on help me Chattanooga can you welcome our come on Mon Eagle give Jesus a crazy praise right there where you're at right now our online campus those that are here in the room in our Chattanooga campus give them a three-second praise just just crazy raise the roof we're so glad that you're with us today hey we're we're excited today that we are we are now in week six of our Be the Light, Live the Mission series. And today we conclude the series. It's been a powerful series. We've talked about so much. We've actually been talking about the mission and the vision of City Light Church. We've been talking about what's most important to us as a church. We've been talking about these different values that we have here that we call mission Values, And we've covered so much, far too much to recap today. I want to encourage you to go to our website, get caught up on all those messages. If you want to know who we are, what we've been called to do, if you want to know the heart of this house, go and watch those messages. We've committed a whole series to talking about the mission and the vision of City Light Church. And today we're going to talk about another mission value as we as we conclude the series. And it's probably uh, one of the most important uh, messages when it when it when you talk about living on mission and when you talk about going out and representing the light uh, of Jesus Christ today we're talking about a value that says uh, that we believe in doing what others don't to reach people others won't we want to do what nobody else is doing so we can reach the people that nobody else is reaching anybody like that come on I don't know about you but that's at, that's at the core of who we are as a church we want to we want to reach out to the people that nobody else is really reaching. We want to reach that person that's wrapped up in that addiction. We want to reach that person that's homeless on the street. We want to reach that person that is hopeless and helpless, that needs healing and, and is just broken, that needs the hope and light of Jesus Christ. We want to, we want to reach that multimillionaire in that multimillion dollar house that doesn't have Christ living in his or her heart. We, we want to reach everybody and we're going to, we're going to be committed. We're going to radically do whatever it takes to reach these People, are y'all in for it, church? Are you for it? Uh, three of you are in for it. That's good. That's good. But but we are. We're just. We want to do what others don't to reach people that others won't. So we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. We're gonna break this down and we're gonna look um, in in the Gospel of Luke. We're gonna be in Luke chapter fifteen. And the question of well, why is this important to City Light Church? Why? Is this one of the core values? Why do you think that? Why are you so excited about it? And the reason why we're so committed to it and we're so passionate about it and the reason why it's so important to us is because it was important to Jesus. Amen. 
It was really at the center of his heart. It was at the center of his life. It, it was at the center of everything that Jesus came to do. How many of you know that he came to rescue sinners, right? He, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's, that's why he died on the cross. That's even why he discipled the 12 uh, to empower a group of people to go out and reach the world. And, and here's why this is so important. Here's why I hope that we all really grab a hold of this today. Uh, the church is God's plan A in reaching the world, and there is no plan B. Just think about that for a second. The church, I really do believe it's the hope of the world. The church is God's plan A in reaching the world, and there is no plan B. There's, there's no backup plan, church. We're, we're it. We're God's plan in reaching the world. There's, there's no plan B. In fact, here's my title today, and I pray it lands in our heart I pray that it lands in your spirit like it did mine. I pray that this just really hits us uh, to our core today. And I know you're like, man, you've been talking so much about, about living on mission. Man, you're just like pounding this into us. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it until we're living on mission. Are you all right? I know it's a six-week series. If we have to extend this thing out to 12 weeks, we'll do it. Because we're so radically committed to seeing God's sons and daughters living on mission. So important. It's why we're here. It's why we're not dead. It's why we have a pulse. It's the, it's the reason why Jesus didn't take us up to heaven the day that he saved us. It's the reason why we have air pumping in and out of our lungs. Is that we would go out and reach the world and be God's plan A. Because there is no plan B. In fact, I want to take a few minutes today and I want to I preach on this subject. You ready for my title? No one else is coming. No one else is coming. I'm going to say that probably a hundred times today to just remind us today that no one else is coming. Now, when you think about reaching people, you're like, this isn't a very smart title. You know, we're talking about wanting to get a lot of people to your church and you're entitling your message. No one else is coming. Like, this is it. It's all, and this is all it's going to be. No, but I want you to understand the heart of this. No, no one else is coming to reach the world around you. No one else is coming. Listen, there's not like God's going to send down a prophet Ezekiel or the prophet Elijah to, to go out and do his work in the earth. He's not sending any more prophets. He's, he's sending you and he's sending me that no one else is coming. The church, you, me, us, we're, we're it. No one else is coming. It's our mission, church. Jesus isn't going to come down from heaven and fix your marriage this week. Jesus isn't going to come down from heaven and, and invite your friends to church this week for you. Jesus isn't going to come down to heaven and, and share your faith with, with your neighbors and with your family members. You, you want to know why Jesus isn't coming down from heaven to do that? Because he called you and me to do that. He sent us into the world. No one else is coming. And I just, I just want to encourage us today to stop waiting on someone else. To do what God has called us to do. In fact, I just, I just got to really lean into this because I want you to know today. You're like, what do you mean no one else is coming? There's, there's like 5,000 churches in Chattanooga. There's a church every two miles in Monteagle. What, what do you mean no, no one else is coming? You have to understand the reason why God allows churches to exist in certain cities is because that church is called to reach a certain group of people in that city. 
The reason why God called us to plant a church in Chattanooga, the reason why God called us to plant a church in Mont Eagle, Tennessee, and the reason why God sent us there is because God knew there are only certain people in that city and in that community that we would be able to reach. And there are other churches in our cities, and there are certain people that only they will be able to reach. Are you with me today? And so there is a group of people that God has called us to reach, that God has called us to bring into the fold and bring to the feet of Jesus, but they will never get to the feet of Jesus if we don't go out there and do the things that God has called us to do and go out there and live on the mission that he has given us to live. No one else is coming. No one else is coming. No no one else is coming to reach that person that you keep bumping into at the gas station. No one else is coming to reach that homeless person that you pass every single week or every single morning on your way to work. No one else is coming to reach that person at the gym that you know is helpless and hopeless and needs the light of Jesus in their life. No, no one else is coming to, 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 to reach that coworker that every time you see them, God begins to prompt you to pray for them or encourage them or reach out to them and you keep on fighting with God and you keep on ignoring God. I want you to know God's putting it on your heart because he's called you to do it. He's not going to call somebody else to do what he's called us to do. Somebody just say it with me. No one else is coming. No one else is coming. Jesus has, has sent us to make a difference. He has sent us to bring people to Christ. No one else is going to do it for us. And my question for you and for me today is, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? Because right now I'm talking to people who have already been rescued, you've already been delivered, you've, you've already been saved, you've already been set free. Hey, doesn't it feel good to be free this morning? Come on, where are the sons and daughters of God at? Man, it just feels good to be free today, doesn't it? Man, it does. I, I'm telling you, it just feels, it feels good to just get into a worship setting like this and, and get to experience the tangible presence of God. Man, it, it feels good to hey, say, hey, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Oh, man, does it feel good to be saved this morning, church? I, I'm just, so I'm talking to those that have already experienced it, and, and we have it, and we've got it. We're in it. We're enjoying it question is, are you going to share it with anyone? The question is, are you going to help anybody else get what you've got? Because for a lot of Christians today, we're living like the lost don't even exist. We're living like there aren't any people far from God in our community. We're, we're literally ignoring the fact that there are people dying without Christ all around us. And I want to push us today. I want to, I want to challenge us today. To begin to live with with such an urgency, like this push to just almost feel like we're running out of time, that we've got to get off our blessed assurance and get to work and start living on mission. Have we forgotten that that person that you keep running into that doesn't know Christ, have we forgotten what's at stake? Have we forgotten that if we don't reach them before it's too late? They're going to spend eternity, eternally separated from a holy God in heaven. And what the Bible calls the lake of fire. I'm not trying to like scare anybody today, but I'm trying to be real with us today. Can I be real with us today? 
Like that's, that's, that's what it's saying. And, and, and the reason why I think a lot of times is because we, we live, the, the reason why we live with such apathy or, or ignore the fact that there are people lost around us is because we forget where they are headed if we don't reach them. So I want to I just kind of squeeze us a little bit today and, and just remind us today that, that that waitress at your restaurant that you keep running into, that you keep on ignoring those promptings from God, like she needs Jesus in her life. That that person that you keep running into, that, that guy, he needs Jesus in his life. I, just, just remember like, hey, remember where you once were without Christ. That's where they're at right now, and, and we've got the answer. We can give it to them, and we just have to know today with just 100% clarity that no one else is coming. We have to remember, church, that while we're in here enjoying this awesome worship, can we give it up for the worship team, by the way? Like, like while we're in here, while we're in here just, just almost like weeping in the presence of God, while we're in here enjoying just the fellowship of the saints and while we're in here just, man, having a good time and, and we've got the joy of the Lord on us and while we're in here, there's still people out there. Are you with me today, church? We, we've got to keep that on the front of our, but there's still people out there. There's still somebody right now with a needle in their arm. There's somebody right now that drank themselves nearly to death last night. There's, there's somebody right now that's just wondering how they're going to get their next meal. And they're, they're trying to put some things together so they can have uh, some shelter to sleep under tonight. That there are still people out there and they're, and they're all around us. But what are we doing? Are we doing anything? You might be doing everything you can. You might be doing all the stuff. You might be sharing your faith with 50 people a week. You might be doing it. But, but I, would just, I, would, I would just take a wild guess and say, there's a lot of us. We're missing the mission. God wants us to press in. Wants us to live as if no one else is coming. I believe that there are some people in here today, they're going to start living like this. Like, hey, you know what? I'm going to start living like it depends on me. I'm going to start living like God's called me. I'm going to start living like no one else is coming. I, I'm not waiting on somebody else to, to share their faith with that person. I'm not, I'm not praying that God would send somebody. I'm praying that God would send me. Amen. I, I'll go. I'll do it. I'm not going to sit back and, and watch people die without Christ. I'm, I'm going to do something about it. I'm getting focused. I'm leaving today. I'm not going to make any more excuses. I'm not going to be stuck in fear and insecurity and complacency. I'm stepping out of my comfortability and I'm going to help others. Other people experience what I've experienced in Christ. What I want you to know today, church, is we can do this. You can do it. I'm telling you right now, you got it in you. You can do this. You can make a difference. Because here's the reality: somebody did that for you. Amen. That, that's that's what somebody did for you. And, and in fact, can I just say this? That's what Christ did for us when He came down and pursued us. To rescue us. In fact, I want to really drive this even deeper today by looking at a passage where, where we see Jesus living like no one else is coming to save these people. No one else is going to do it. In fact, nobody else can do it. This is my purpose. This is my, my call. And he had this whatever it takes attitude, this, this attitude of pursuit, this, this whatever it takes spirit. Uh, to recover and reach that which was lost. It's, 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 it's Luke 15. It's known as the parable of the lost sheep. Let's, let's check this out. It's powerful. 
Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it says this. Watch this, it's powerful. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. That right there is a beautiful picture, isn't it? That the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Have you ever heard people talk like that, right? Hello, y'all, y'all help me today. Have y'all ever heard? They, they like got their nose so stuck up in the air, it's like they're drowning in a sea or something. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just those religious people, just snooty, snobby, just, you know. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on, help, help me preach today. This is hard message. Then Jesus told them this parable. He hits it head on. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, watch this, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one. Somebody shout one. Over one sinner who repents. Than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Woo! It's powerful, isn't it? As we look at this, I think it's interesting that the religious people are the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious elite, they're, they're listening and, and they're kind of gathering around here and, and they're in the midst of this, this scenario where Jesus has a lot of like unwelcome people around and there's tax collectors, there's crooks, there's robbers, there's addicts, there's prostitutes, and, and, and all kinds of different sinners of various sorts. And, and, and the Pharisees have become so inwardly focused and become so self-righteous and so prideful that, that they felt like that salvation and God in a relationship with him should only be for people like them. Sad, isn't it? That they got so religious and so self-righteous that they got to the point in their life that they thought that the love of God, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, was only for certain people. And, and the sad reality for a lot of Christians is, is we, we have the same perspective. We, we, if we're not careful, we'll slip into this perception. And Now, we would never say that with our mouths. Hey, some people say it with their mouths, but, but a lot of people would never say it. But you think about it, and the way that you live your life, and the way that we live with such apathy towards certain types of people that are far from God, would show us that, 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 that we have the same perspective as the Pharisees had in this text. The reality is, if we're not careful as Christians, we will get so comfortable in our salvation, and so inwardly focused in our salvation, that we will forget about the people that are still outside the four walls of the church, that are still dead in their sins, still living without Christ, still on their way to a literal hell for all of eternity. It's, it's easy to become consumed, and it's easy to get comfortable, isn't it, church? I don't know about you. I love comfortability. I love, I love being comfortable. You love being comfortable. We all, we all love being comfortable and, and, and nothing wrong with some physical comfort. Amen. Come on, somebody. Ain't nothing wrong with some AC in the summer. Ain't, no, ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of heat. Ain't nothing wrong with like a recliner in the living room. Come on. But, but when it comes to your spirituality, you need to give up comfort altogether. 
You need to bring it to the feet of Jesus. You need to surrender this thing called comfort. Because God has called us to reach beyond the church, reach beyond our circle of friends, to enter into relationships, watch this, with people that make us extremely uncomfortable. To really lean into some relationships with people and, and, and reach out to some people that aren't anything like you. So ask yourself the question, who is it that you need to reach out to and start building a relationship with that needs Jesus in their life? Who is it that you need to invite to church that needs Jesus in their life? I want you to think about that question because everything else I say today hinges on that question right there. I want you to think about, if you could, just for one moment, just pause and just think about who would be that one person. That if you could just reach that one person... If you could just see that one person saved, if, if you could just see that one person show up to church and, and experience and, and be changed by the love of Jesus, who would be that one person that you would do anything to see that person come to faith in Christ? You got that person in your mind? Right now, I want you to know something. Names of people, faces of people are flashing through your mind right now. I want you to just zone in on one person and start with just one. What if we just all started with just one? Every single one of them. We didn't try to like focus on reaching millions of people like Billy Graham did or focus on, you know, uh, leading thousands upon thousands of people to faith in Christ. What if we just got in our mind just one single person that becomes God's assignment for our lives to bring them to Jesus? And as people come to your mind, as names come to your mind right now, I want you to know something. God of heaven just spoke to you in church. Just then. God, let me just help you out today. That wasn't the devil speaking to you. Are you all right? Sometimes we wonder, like, was that the devil or was that God? No, let me tell you something. If somebody just came to your mind that if they were to die today, they would die without Christ, and they have been put in your circle and in your corner of the world, and listen, and they just came to your mind, you need to lock that in your mind. You need to write it down. You need to pray for that person. You need to reach out to that person. You need to call that person. You need to text that person. You need to go knocking on the door every single weekend until you see that person's soul saved for the glory of God. I want to encourage you today, church, find one person in your life and don't give up on that person until you see them come to faith in Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be awesome if we all just reached one? Could you imagine if we all just reached one? If we all just said, you know what? I'm going to live on mission one person, one person at a time. Could you imagine a church of 200 people if we all just reached one? See, we think we're like, oh, man, there's just 200 of us. We can't do much. Listen, I want to tell you right now, that is a powerful army that can turn an entire city upside down if we would start living on mission. Now, I know you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm not going to be good at it. I'll be terrible at it. There's no way I'll be able to reach him. I, I, I promise you right now, you might be better at it than you thought you were. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, people right now in the climate of this world, their hearts are so open to the gospel right now. I'm telling you, it's, it's absolutely amazing. I, I've, never, I've never seen hearts so open to spiritual things and to eternal things than, than they are right now in the, with the climate of our world. So in our passage, just think about this. Jesus is he's sharing a, a parable, and the religious people are there, but he also has a lot of sinners there too. That's cool, isn't it, right? 
He's got some religious people there, but he's got some sinners there. And, and really the parable was really designed to challenge and rebuke the Pharisees and the religious elite. But as he's challenging them, he's also encouraging the, those that were far from God that were in the audience that day. And they're sitting there thinking to themselves, wow, this is, this is good news for us. Like we were, we're the outcasts. We're the ones that are kind of like forgotten about by society. We, we didn't know that the shepherd would love us. We, we didn't know that the shepherd would come after us. We, we didn't know that the shepherd really wanted to have a relationship with us. We, we thought that the Messiah was only for religious people. We, we only thought that he was for the Jews even. And, and now we're being told that he's for Gentiles and, and he's for even tax collectors. And he's even for, man, they're getting excited right now because they're like, hey, just maybe there's some hope for me too. Maybe I can get saved too. Maybe... Maybe my life can get turned around too. Maybe, maybe I can have what I've always thought I couldn't have. Because I was told by people that were religious that it wasn't for me. And maybe you're here today and this is good news for you because you're like, I thought for the longest time that God didn't love people like me, that God couldn't use people like me, that, that I was beyond redemption and people have told me that I'm beyond redemption and I could never be saved. And you're hearing today that, that Jesus even came for you. He came to die for you too. Isn't that good news? Can we just clap for that today? That there's hope for you too today. That God actually has a heart for sheep that go astray. That God actually has love for sheep that mess up. Anybody mess up, by the way? And, and, and this picture of, of this shepherd and, and this picture of, of sheep, it would immediately register with the Jewish audience that day because, because throughout all the Old Testament we, we see God pictured as a shepherd and, and his people, uh, the sheep and, and it just beautifully portrays his relationship as a shepherd with sheep and Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 12 says this it says as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them so will I look after my sheep you know that Jesus is looking after you he's looking after for you today He's, he's watching over you today. He's caring for you today. Those tears that you're shedding every single night, there's, he's catching them in the hollow of his hand. Those worries and those fears and those concerns that you have, he, he sees them and he loves you and he sees you and he's concerned for you and he sees you and he cares for you. He said, I'll look after my sheep. One thing you can know about Jesus is he's going to take care of his people. Amen. Oh, come on, that's good news. He's got, one thing we know about Jesus is, is he's going to take care of his people. I know it may look like God's not taking care of his people. I know it may look like that some of God's people's losing. You're like, God, where are you at? Where? I'm telling you right now, God is still in control, and there's not a blade of grass that moves without his say-so. He's still sovereign, and he's still looking after his people. Watch what he says. He says, I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered. On a day of clouds and darkness. And so you can be encouraged to know that when you're lost and you've yet to experience Christ, that there is a Savior named Jesus that's coming after you and pursuing you. And he desires so badly to rescue you. And also you can know that whenever you go astray and whenever you're following God and you're going in the right direction, everything's going good, he loves you then. And even when you get off path and whenever you go astray and even when you begin to drift away from God, you can know that he loves you just as much then as he loves you when you're going in the right direction. That he's a shepherd that loves you. He is a shepherd that will never leave you and never forsake you. He, he's there for you 
in your darkest days. He's there for you in those moments of despair. Anybody just want to thank God that he's a shepherd that doesn't give up on his people. That even when I give up on him, he didn't give up on me. That he's for you, that he loves you. And he doesn't let you stay stuck in failure. He doesn't let you stay stuck in your mistake. But he, he comes to where we are in the mess of our lives. And he picks us up and he brings us back to where we need to be. He's, he's our shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He's the best shepherd. He's great. And according to the writer of Hebrews, he is the chief shepherd. Amen. And, and this would be great for, for anybody that was in the audience that had messed up. Like it would have been great for anybody that was there that day that, that was far from God and there were many that had gathered around to be with Jesus and to hear what he had to say. But it would have been challenging for the Pharisees because they didn't want to live a life pursuing others that were nothing like them. So they get angry about this. They get frustrated about this. And, and really, if I could give you a big thought for today, it's, it's this. We, we've been called to pursue people far from God just like Jesus pursued us. If you're saved today, if you're on your way to heaven today, it's because Jesus pursued you. Jesus came after you. Jesus, he stuck his neck out for you. He listened. He came and he rescued you and changed your life. And, and the same way Jesus came after you, he's now called us to go after others, to, to live with this pursuit of those that are far from God, to live with this no one else is coming attitude, to, to just realize that this is, this is our call. Jesus said, just as my Father sent me, I am now sending you. We've been called to preach the gospel to every creature. We've been called to make disciples of all nations. We, we've been called to reach beyond the four walls of our church and to reach people that are far from God. We've been called to pursue people that don't believe. Like Jesus pursued us. And so if we're going to do this, if we're going to live this out, we need to understand two things. We're going to be real quick, and, and, and hopefully we're just going to get some impartation today, inspiration to go out and, and live this out. But two things we need to understand about ourselves. If, we, if we've come to this realization that no one else is coming, this is how we're going to live. We are seekers and bringers. We're not waiters. Listen to me, church. Who are we? Who are we called to be? We're called to be seekers and bringers, not waiters. We're not waiting on people to get here. Are you with me today, church? We're not waiting on them just to show up because we put an edgy sign out on a billboard somewhere. We're not waiting on for them to just come because, you know, we dropped an invite card somewhere. You know, no, you know what the people of God do? We, we live with this attitude that no one else is coming and we're actively seeking people out that don't know Jesus. We're not like hiding in some private corner. No, we're going out and saying, we're going to seek them out and we're not just going to leave them like we found them. We're going to pick them up and we're going to bring them to the house of the Lord, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to get back on mission. We're going to seek them and we're going to bring them. Come on. Let's seek them out. Let's go after them. Let's, let's, get our, let's, let's open our eyes and start looking for the opportunity to reach somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Because that's what a shepherd does. When the sheep get lost, when, when the sheep is hopeless, when the shepherd, he leaves the 99. And you know what it is? You know what happens every time we leave the church? We're leaving the flock and we're going out to reach the one. We're going out to reach that person. We're going out because no one else is coming. God has 
called us to be active, to be intentional, to, to actively seek out, not, not to just patiently wait and twiddle our thumbs until Christ returns. Now, nothing wrong with praying for the lost, and, and we've been commanded by Jesus to pray that because that, that the, the harvest is plentiful, right? The laborers are few. And so we've been called that God would send out the laborers. But you need to understand something. If you're praying for God to send the laborers out, you better be going out too. Can I get a witness? Amen? you got to be going out as you're praying. And the reason why you're praying for God to send out the laborers is not so you can sit on your blessed assurance. It's because you need some people to come around you and help you to go out and reach the people in your corner of the world. And so... In fact, listen to what Romans 10, 14 says. It says, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? Paul's just like making it real plain for the, for the Roman believers. And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How are they going to hear it? So what that tells me, Jesus wants to save he, he wants to find those that are lost. He, he, he desires that none should perish. His word's clear. But the way he's going to do it is through your invitation. The way he's going to do it is through the church. Because the church is God's plan A. And there is no plan B. And nobody else, nobody else is coming. It's us. We're it. I know you're like thinking like, God, come on. You could have picked a better team, right? I don't know if you're like me, but... We're it, church. We're, we're the starting team. We're plan A. Nobody else is coming. It's us. And so next time God prompts you to pray for that person, next time God prompts you to share an encouraging word, next time God prompts you just to share the full gospel with somebody, instead of like just completely ignoring it, come on, somebody, have you done it before? Instead of just completely ignoring it, instead of saying I'm just too busy right now, why don't you just tell yourself, you know what, I might as well because nobody else is coming. No one else is coming. No one else is coming. I stopped this morning. I talked to my man, Norm. He's over there on the corner every single morning. He's homeless. And I stop and I invite him to church every single Sunday morning because nobody else is going to do it. No one else is coming. No one else is coming. And I just tell myself, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep on inviting. And guess what? I've invited him probably 50 times, and he hasn't showed up in probably seven months. But I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on inviting, and I'm going to keep on praying. And I had the opportunity to pray for our waiter last night when we were out to eat last night. And this is what's crazy. When you start living like this, you start living on mission and you start inserting yourself into people's story and into their lives, that face stays on your mind. And so I was praying for him last night. I was praying for our waitress last week. And, and these two people are just so fresh on my mind this morning as I'm praying for the lost. Here's what I want you to know. Do you even have anybody that's lost to pray for? Because we get so wrapped up in just our little church club, you know, that that everybody we know and everybody we're connected to is, is already saved, already on their way to going to heaven. And so if you would just take just some, a few moments here and there and engage people, you'll realize that there are a lot of lost people in Chattanooga. There are. Huh? I mean, there's tons. I'm, there's tons. I, and to be honest with you, these last four weeks, praying over different waiters and waitresses and things like that, 
Not one of them say, oh, hey, thank you, but I'm already a Christian. I'm already going to church. Not one. In like four different restaurants, y'all. One, she said this. She said, nobody's asked me that before. Nobody's asked to pray for me before. In the buckle of the Bible belt in Chattanooga, Tennessee, waiting on tables, and not one single person has asked, can I pray for you for something? Can I just tell you? Right then, I knew no one else is coming. Come on, this is up to us. The church is the hope of the world, amen? The church is God's plan A. And there's no reason for us to look defeated this morning, amen? Like, oh, we got to do this. It's the greatest message the world has ever heard. We shouldn't be feeling defeated today. We shouldn't be feeling overwhelmed with anxiety and fear today. You've got the greatest message that the world has ever heard. It's the message that God so loved the world that he sent his son to die in your place. For whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. I know a man that can save your soul. I know a man that can heal your heart. I know a man that can take your life and completely turn it around. Are you happy with where you are right now? If you're, if you're not happy, if you have no peace, I know a man, he's the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. And in a world that is so chaotic, people are looking for peace. And you've got it. You've got it. You've got it. You've got it. Are you going to give what you got? No one else is coming. We're we're seekers. We're bringers. We're not waiting. We're living with urgency. He could come back at any moment. And, And can I just say this? If he doesn't come back soon, death is coming soon. Every person has an appointment with death. And it's sooner than you think it is. There's got to be a sense of urgency to go out and seek and to bring those that are far from God. Number two, wrap up with this. We're celebrators, not complainers. Everybody say, ooh, oh me. Can't say amen, say ouch. We're celebrators, not complainers. It's amazing that the Pharisees were complaining. But the shepherd was rejoicing. Do you see it? Which one are you going to be today? The shepherd said this. He said, listen, when one sinner repents, we've got something to have a party over. Just one. Just one. Somebody shout one. So you think you got to change your whole company? you got to reach your whole office? No, just one. Just one. I wonder how many would say, I'm just, just one. Just one. Accept this challenge, just one. If I can reach just one, we're going to have a party. All of heaven's going to rejoice. Celebrate. You know, it's amazing to me. Like in the church, you know, in the church, we complain about all kinds of crazy things. I complain. I do. My staff would tell you, why are you complaining so much? Like, because we do. It's like, it's like enough is never enough. We're always complaining. We're always complaining. Nothing wrong with evaluating, but when evaluating turns into complaining. Are y'all with me? And if we're not careful, 
we can take for granted the move of God that we're experiencing right now. We'll take it for granted. We will. It's amazing to me. Well, you know, you'll hear things like, oh, the lights were too flashy and the room was too dark and the music was too loud and the coffee was too strong and they didn't even have my pump flavor creamer out and, and they didn't even have my favorite kind of sugar and they didn't even have the Splenda and, and, and they didn't even put the strawberries in the water this week. They only, they only put the lemons in the water. And we had six people get saved and were crying over the water and the creamer and the music and was it too cold and was it too hot have we lost our minds have we have we missed out on what's important and we don't have this and we don't do this and we don't do that yeah but nine people give their life to christ nine people aren't going to hell anymore they're going to heaven nine people pass from death into life nine people got their sins forgiven nine people got Oh, man, there's what many saved today. We only had about three people saved. When one, somebody shout, one. When one sinner comes to faith, when one person repents, all of heaven starts celebrating and starts throwing a party. We can't fail to appreciate and celebrate what God is doing. Amen? Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate the fact that we've got people coming to church that typically would never come to church. Let's celebrate the fact that people that have different kind of sins than a lot of people have can come to City Light Church and they feel welcome and they feel accepted and they feel loved. Listen, if you're ever going to pursue people like Jesus pursued people, you've got to be willing to accept people like Jesus accepted people. Now, now I said accept them. I didn't say approve of their sin but accept them for who they are. Love them where they're at because we know if they keep showing up. We know if they keep coming to the house of the Lord. We know if they keep getting into this worship that we've been having. If they get into the presence of God, if they hear the message that God loves them and has a plan for them and that he can save them and forget, if they keep putting themselves in this environment, things just might turn around. But let's get them here and let's love them here. Let's get them here with love and let's keep them here with love. Are you so wrapped up in changing someone's mind at the, at the cost of seeing them changed eternally? Are you with me today? Who are you pushing out that Jesus never pushed out? Who are you saying, X, forget that, canceled. We're going to target somewhere else. No, no. Jesus never canceled him. Are you with me? He went after. He went at, listen. Jesus went after people that were nothing like him. And check this out. They actually enjoyed being around him. He he would reach out to people that were nothing like him and they actually liked him. Sometimes when some people see some of us, they run the other way. Because they're just afraid you're going to get hit over the head with the Bible again. You're just going to feel judged and just feel condemned. And you're just going to sit there and, you know, and just got that nose stuck up in the air. Are you with me today? Do people that don't know God, do they, are they like, I'm not talking about like, but no, they feel loved. They feel welcome. They feel safe. They feel accepted. 
Not that you agree with how they're living their life. I think they know where you stand. It doesn't always have to be a jihad, a holy war. Come on, somebody. It can be love. It can be grace. It can be mercy. And it can be truth all at the same time. No one else is coming. Let's pursue some people. Y'all want to do it? Y'all want to do it this week? Just want to try it this week? I'm praying every day that you don't escape this message today. I'm praying every day that you're living on mission. Look, listen, all of you, every one of you might be already doing it. Praise the Lord. Well, we wouldn't have as many empty seats this morning. By the way, I didn't bring nobody this morning either. Let me step on my own toes. I wonder if some of us would say, you know what? Not anymore. I'm going to be a bringer. I'm going to be a seeker. I'm going to seek some people out. And I'm going to tell you right now, if they don't come, it's not because I didn't try. Oh, but when they do. Because I'm telling you right now, at, at some point, you're going to hit the target. And at some point, they're going to come. And at some point, they're going to get in the presence of God. And at some point, they're going to experience the gospel. And at some point, you're going to see that one come to faith in Christ. And you will be so addicted to it, you will never stop being a bringer. As I was thinking about this message and was thinking about how God seeks after the lost, I was thinking about when my parents lost their dog, I don't know, about three years ago. His name's Bryson. He gets treated better than I do. Y'all know, like, eats better than I do and all that stuff. They just, a little backstory about Bryson. He, 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 he once was my dog, okay? And uh, he's a full-blooded pit bull, but he's not like, you know, your average pit bull. He's afraid of his own shadow. He's, like, not mean at all. He's a big baby, you know? And uh, when Kayla and I got married, we moved into an apartment. You couldn't have dogs in the apartment. It was the only apartment that we could afford. We just started pastoring. And so we, so we put him up for adoption. And luckily, my parents, they, they adopted Bryson. He's spoiled, rotten, and he's got his own little bed. And he just, he's awesome. Y'all give it up for Bryson. He's, he's, come on, show Bryson some love. He knows how to give high fives. Like, he's just a cool cool dog but he he got lost he like ran away so my parents were out of town it was around thanksgiving time several years back about three years ago i think and they were out of town and and charles's mom and like in her 90s she was she was watching bryson and kind of watching after him and, and bryson he gets like he's crazy a little he's a little erratic and she's taking him out to use the bathroom and he sees a cat Woo! you know and he he takes off he drags her down the step she like falls down hurts herself pretty bad that ambulance has to come and take her to the hospital and we're all the way in Tennessee and so and so what we do is is we we come in and Ann's taken care of and she's getting sorted out and she gets to come back home and she's banged up pretty bad but she's okay so then we go out and we start looking for Bryson what we did in the beginning we just started putting stuff on Facebook and doing little things like lost dog and like you know little pictures of them if you see him let us know and I'm like really not getting any traction. And that night we kind of, before dark, went out there calling his name. And so a whole night goes by. We still haven't found him. And, and you know how, like, you see those little, little pictures of dogs, like lost dog, 
like on little poles in neighborhoods and like they're faded because they never found them, you know? Like I was like, it's going to be Bryson. We'll never go find them. He's gone. So next morning, I was like, we're, we're doing it. We're getting out. We're going to canvas the whole city. And myself, my wife, which my wife, we've been, we just celebrated 10 years of marriage yesterday, this last week. 10 years of marriage. So me, my wife, and her sister, we're out there, and, and they're driving. I said, no, I'm going to get out, and I'm going to get on foot. Like, I'm going to knock on doors. So I'm knocking on doors, and, like, we're in the ghetto of Cartersville, Georgia. There was some really danger. But I didn't care why, because I'm, on, I'm, I'm pursuing. I'm pursuing. And we're looking, and, and then finally we start getting a lead here and a lead there. And they're like, yeah, we saw him yesterday. We saw him here. And then before we know it, like, we're, like, on the other side of town. We're, like, a really bad neighborhood. And we go up this hill, and we pull into this apartment complex, and there is Bryson sitting outside a little door. And we're like, oh, praise the Lord. He was lost, but now he's found. He was blind, but now he sees. We're rejoicing. Come on, it's fine. It's good. We're excited. And, and so we found him, and we're like, somebody was like feeding him, done put a new collar on him. Somebody kidnapped Bryson, y'all. Like, So we get there. And like, I'm crying, my wife's crying, my wife don't even really like dogs, she's crying, her sister's crying, we're all crying, and he like comes in the car, he's shedding everywhere, getting it all over Kayla's new car, and just shedding, nobody cared, we're just like slobbering all over me. We went and got him ice cream at Freddy's with a little dog bone in it, he's just slobbering all over me, I didn't care. Why? Because he was lost, but now he's found. We were rejoicing. We, we were excited about it. But here's what I want you to know. We didn't just put a sign up and say, hey, call us if you see him. What did we do? Because we loved him so much, we went after and we pursued him and we went after him. And I feel like as Christians, a lot of times, that's what we do. We just want to put a sign up that says, hey, if you're lost, give me a call. We just want to take an invite card, drop it off at a, at a dinner table, and, you know, hopefully they'll get it, and hopefully they'll come, and, and we'll just kind of wait around and see if, if something happens. But, but aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't put a sign up and said, lost sheep, and if you see him, call me? But no, he left heaven and came down to this earth and rescued us and pursued us and died in our place and was beaten beyond recognition, stripped naked, nailed to a cross because he realized nobody else was going to do it. Nobody else was going to go find Bryson, amen? No one else was coming. And there are people in our city and in our communities, and no one else is coming. We can't just put a sign up that says, come, no. We need to go after and we need to insert ourselves into their story. And we need to tell them the greatest message the world has ever heard. And that is the message of Jesus Christ. Come on, we can do this, church. Come on, can we just commit today with, with 100% resolve and, and just commitment? We're not going to stop praying. We're not going to stop believing. We're not going to stop preaching. We're not going to stop sharing until we see these people come. We see this church full with people that were hopeless and helpless and broken, but now they found Christ because somebody said, I'm going to do something about it. I don't know. I want, a, I want a piece of this. I do. I do. I do. And here's what's awesome about this. There are some people in our church that are already living this way. And I had my friend Michael. Michael, can you come up here to the stage, brother? I got him coming right over there, my friend. Y'all give it up for Michael for coming today. Let's come on over here. He's going to share a little bit of his testimony. And it's, it's powerful. I'm, I'm tempted to, like, share it right now, you know, but. But uh, he, he's going to share it. He just gave his life to the Lord last week. And he's up here sharing his faith today. Can we just take two minutes and just share what you share with me, my friend? 
Hey, how y'all doing? Man, uh, I've been an addict in and out of recovery for the last five years of my life, and you know, I never really believed in God. I had a grandfather that was a pastor for 52 years. I've never been accepted in a church. I've just never been really about it. But a month ago, I found myself homeless, hopeless, godless, and I wanted to leave this world. And I, and I tried, but something intervened, and it, it changed my life that day. Um, I was in the middle of nowhere screaming at God, like, why won't you take this pain from me? What is my purpose? Why won't you let me leave, you know? And I decided that day I was going to start doing things better, you know, and I reached out to some friends that got me into a halfway house. I started helping a friend get a job. I, he, he was starting his own business, running low on money, and I, I found people that would let him come into their homes and do some work for them. Uh, anybody that had anything going on in their life would just where they were hurting and depressed, you know, I'd reach out to them and just try to make them feel better. And that made me feel a little bit better every day. And then one night, my friend Corey, who's a member of this church, has been praying for me every day for five years that I've known her. Her mother got into a really bad car accident last Friday. And me and my friend Lisa, we rushed the emergency room. We were there for Corey, you know, and that's all I wanted to do was be there for my friend who loves me. There was a man sitting outside in a wheelchair with a neck brace on, and he asked me, he said, Brother, can I talk to you for a minute? I was like, sure, you know. He was like, you ever had anything happen so bad? You're just so sad and alone and depressed, and you just feel like you can't get past it. And I was like, yeah, brother, I, I tried to end my life, you know. And I was hopeless, and, and like sometimes, you know, you just got to think God's going to get you through it. And I was lying to this man because I didn't even believe that God was getting me through anything, you know. And he asked me if I would help him. So I pushed him around the hospital. I got numbers for him to call other hospitals because he was, he was just going through some things. And they were about to boot him out of there. He had a bag he couldn't even lift with his arms. Before I left him, I told him, I said, I'm going to pray for you. And I didn't mean it. That's not who I was. You know, I wouldn't really, I would tell you I was going to pray for you, but I wasn't going to pray for you because what did that do for me? About 30 minutes later, I'm standing outside the hospital, and he had somebody wheeling back outside, and he told me, he said, man, when you told me that you were going to pray for me, I want you to know that meant a lot to me. A month ago, I was in that hospice care. I'd fell on my head, crushed my spine. They had to put a new spine in me. And even though me and my wife were going through a divorce, she was there for me every day. You know, he said, 30 years ago, I left Marion County to come to Cleveland, Tennessee to become a pastor. He said, I was at Lee University, and I lost my way with God, and I've always regretted it. He said, when this accident happened, I started praying every day, and I got back in touch with God. And God, when you said you were going to pray for me, he told me to pray for you, so I did. And when I prayed to him, he wanted me to come tell you thank you for helping me, because when you screamed out for him, and you asked him to take your pain away, didn't he take it away? Didn't it get a little better every day? And I was just like, how do you know this? You know, what are you talking about? And he said, when you asked him why you're here and why you can't leave and what's your purpose, didn't you start helping others and it made you feel a little bit better every day? 
And I, I, my mind was blown. I just couldn't explain, like, why he was saying these things to me. Like, how do you know this about me, you know? And he said, it's because God wanted me to tell you that this is your purpose and this is why you're here. And Corey had prayed for me every day for the last five years that I would come to church with her just one time. So I told her, all right, last Sunday I'm coming to church. And I came in here and I gave my life to God that day because he has made it to where I have no excuse not to believe in him anymore. I have no excuse. He's grabbed a hold of my heart. I have nothing but love in my heart. I was an angry man. I was desperate. I was hopeless. And I am a man of God today. And I'm a man of God forever. Because he reached into my heart and he wouldn't let go of me. And he's never going to let go. And the devil was on my back all day yesterday telling me not to get in here. He didn't want me in here today. I was second, my second guessing everything last night. Like, I can't do this. You know, I can't do this. Like, why? I can't tell my story. But God's got me. And that's why I'm here today. And I just want to say thank you to you for being here too, to be here with me. And thank you to Corey when she gets here at 11 because she didn't want to come at 9. <laughs> Pray for people that you love. Help them find Jesus because we need him. We need him today. I love you. Come on. Hey, y'all give it up. Isn't that awesome? Come on. Come on, that's the kind of stuff that's happening. Somebody said, no one else is coming. Corey said, nobody else is going to pray for him. Nobody else is going to love on him. Nobody else is going to invite him. But for five years, she's been faithful in inviting him and praying for him. And now the man's up here sharing how Jesus changed his life. Can we just give God some praise? It's amazing. And I just believe in my heart that what we just saw is going to be something that happens every single week at our church. Because we're going to go out there and we're going to live on mission. And we're going to do whatever it takes to get people here to see them experience the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks for those of you that give generously to City Light Church. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to begin partnering with us financially, you can click the link to give now in the description, or you can go to citylightchurch.cc forward slash give. And if God is using this podcast in your life, you can subscribe today. You can click the share button and help us get the word out to the world. Thank you for listening and God bless.